This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Working Class Bowhunter podcast starts in... Three, two, one. I think I left about four. No one ish. honestly really cares. Steve's calling me while I'm holding, getting ready for this deer to stand up. Glad you took this deer out. He doesn't even drive American. <laughs> See, that deer's what's exactly what's wrong with this country, right? He doesn't even support local American-made deer-compatible vehicles. <laughs> that one, that one arrow cost me thirty-three thousand dollars. Just. Aiming too long and just moved a little bit. And it's like, oh, no, it fired, you know, crap. I knew as soon as it left, it was just a little high. But he came right out in the field, made a scrape right in the cornfield, started grunting, walked 30 yards, made another scrape. You're listening to the Working Class Bowhunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T-Bone Turner from The Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Episode number 90, that's correct, 9-0 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Crazy. Good Lord. And as always, well, the exception of a few times, we have been right here in beautiful Sherrard, Illinois, right here at 1600 Buck Slayer Place, right here in the Bucketorium. Um, man, 90. It's pretty crazy. That is crazy. It's yeah, insane to think about. Yeah, like Joe Rogan's podcast at like oh, yeah. 700, and I'm like, well, oh, you have nothing else to do, but... Make hey, money. We'll, we'll get there someday. Well, you guys, yeah, yeah. there's, um, you know, we've got all this behind us, but there is only one really important thing that you need to know, and it's one pin, single pin, hashtag single pin nation. The Working Class Bowhunter podcast is brought to you by HHA Sports. Go check out the Optimizer. We're huge fans. Um, go send us some pictures uh, with the hashtag Working Class Bowhunter and hashtag single pin nation. There's going to be some big Illinois deer falling to the single pen. Maybe an Iowa one. Maybe. Maybe. More just than one, likely. Just one? Actually, it'll probably just, just be one, one Iowa buck and then one <laughs> Illinois buck, and then Steve's Steve's will still be all shiny. Monster will do- still Monster be does, the- man. Monster does. You know, you know what we're going to do with <laughs> Volume those? Volume one, monster does. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we're going to do with all those uh, monster deer that we're going to shoot with our single pins? Take them straight over to Smith's Custom Meat. Smith's yep. co- oh, man, right there in lovely Viola, Illinois. Eastern Iowa, or I'm sorry, Western Illinois, and <laughs> the portions of Eastern Iowa's finest, finest deer processor. I like that one. That should be like 
They should snip it that and just kind of play it as you walk in the door there. Like, exactly. Just over and over again. That's like the door chime. Just yeah. Finest. <laughs> <laughs> and then after Smith's, we take him straight to Creative Critters Taxidermy. But, but not first. We got to put him in our Badlands pack. Oh, yeah. Pack. We got to. Then don't the forget. Creative Critters yep. Taxidermy. Well, we got him there with the with the Badlands pack. That's how we carried all our uh, all our hooliganism. Or, uh, wait, what, hooliganism? What's, what, what's the word we're talking about? Buffoonery. Buffoonery. <laughs> it's a. Uh, yeah, whatever. Let's let's move on. Badlandspacks.com. Go check them out. Uh, Badlandsapproach.com. Go check out that new camo. Once you see it, you're going to want to buy it. Right, right. Yeah, Creative Critters Taxidermy is the last stop because that's where it all ends is your taxidermist. And bring yeah. it right back and hang over that TV in your living room and you can enjoy it forever. That's right. Deer looking so good, you want to shoot them again and again <laughs> and again. That plug Finest. might sound, you know, maybe some people roll their eyes at our sponsor plugs, partner plugs, whatever you want to call them, but it actually is companies we do believe in, and we really yeah. just wouldn't be sponsored by anyone just because we want to say, hey, look at us, we have a sponsor, and we're cool, hashtag pro staff. No, yeah, we, just, we that does for sure. We right. love the <laughs> we love every everything that uh, we talk about, we genuinely love, and um, it's we near wouldn't, and dear to us. We wouldn't stand behind someone if we didn't believe in them. Right, and so, it's not like they just shovel us free gear, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's stuff that we expect every working class person to want to spend their money on and get their money's worth out of these products because you work all day, you take them out in the woods, and you're going to use them how they are intended to be used. They're use not, and abuse. Yeah, they're not for just the camera on some television show to look pretty all the time. Like Just like uh, they, you know, Scott from uh, from uh, HHA said, he says, you know, I love when I see the sites getting dragged across rocks yep. and just beat up and scratched up because people are using the products mm-hmm. how we built them to be used. Which Dropped awesome. out of a tree and right. run over by trucks. I don't care. They'll <laughs> replace it. <laughs> it's like, dang. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. Good thing I bought HHA or Badlands, you know. If you're yeah. like, mm-hmm. you're like Steve, little 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 shifty, you know, you hop that neighbor's fence every once in a while and rip your Badlands pack <laughs> oh, on some no, barbed wire. Oh, no, this is from sneaking under it. I ain't hopping no fences. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I had to just say that. Yeah. You know, sometimes people might just be like, oh, these guys. Not these but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, go uh, go check out everyone that we've talked about. Um, it was just the 4th of July. You know, we celebrated freedom here in this country, uh, the United States of America, to be specific. Um, and, you know, we can't Not continue Canada. to have – we can't, Yeah, we can't continue to have – uh, those freedoms without uh, without the vets. So this vet shout-out is going to all vets. Um, you know, we're uh, – we're just super happy that you decided to uh, volunteer not only your time, your life, um, to protect our freedoms and the things we love. So thank you once again. We love our vets, and this prod uh, this podcast is brought to you in English by vets. So I like that. Um, so on today's episode, Darren Christianberry, um, I would say my favorite person in archery. Yes, um, nicest guy on the planet. He joined us again. Yeah, we we did a podcast um podcast with him at the Bone Shed last summer. Um, we actually had one a podcast studio set up in their conference room there, and Darren did an episode with us, and it's still one of my favorite episodes. And I'll repeat myself again when he's on here. Um, he's calling in. Um, I think he's what is he Indiana? Uh, I think he's somewhere else. So we'll find out. Oh, who knows? We'll uh, we'll give it, get him on the phone, and hope you guys enjoy, and hopefully learn a thing or two. All right. All right. Cool. All right, uh, on the phone with us here, we've got the amazing, legendary ex-slayer, Darren Christianberry. What's going on? Oh, not much. I like that legendary. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Man, not only is this guy shooting X's out on the range, but 
Apparently, you're the snake whisperer too. I've noticed over the past couple weeks. Yeah, I've, I've I've had a magnet with me this year for finding snakes. It seems like, and uh, you know, post a little picture. It's a good topic everywhere I go now. Everybody wants to avoid me, so in some <laughs> cases, that's really good. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'll get Walmart. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we, you were on the podcast before. We mentioned that in the intro, and really, that was the first time we've ever met you, and. One of my favorite episodes, and like I said in the intro, I was like, man, you're probably our favorite person in archery. Well, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> do you, can, can we tell you a secret? Do you know how nervous we were to come up and ask you to do a podcast? We almost had Why? Have, uh, because you were just standing there, and we're like, dude, there's Darren. You want to go up and like ask him if it – Oh, and no. Tim Kitts is like, hey, man, I'll go ask him for you, and we can get him on there. No, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just a redneck that likes to shoot his bow and won a tournament or two along the way, and it's, it's – I, I'm I'm nobody, but I appreciate that. But don't be nervous around me at all, ever. Well, that's the thing. You know, after we did the episode, I'm like, it was one of my favorite episodes. It was so comfortable and just real, and we just we really just talked about whatever. Yeah. And it, no, that's that's good. That's that's what I want people to be around me. I want them to be real. You know, I I I was starstruck back when I first got started shooting. You know, watching Jeff Hopkins and Randy Ulmer and the Chapel Boys and Shannon Cottle and was always trying to sneak peek and just felt like I was out of touch. And I thought, you know what, if I ever get to where people want to talk to me or want to do what I'm doing or, you know, want to walk around in my shoes, I don't want to be out of touch. I want to be as real and as down to earth as possible. And uh, that's the kind of message I've always tried to relay to people. You know, don't be afraid of me. Don't, I'm no better than anybody out there. And I don't think that way. So, um, you know, I've just been fortunate enough to, to do well in archery and, and work in the industry and it's it's been good to me and I just I want to share that with people so it's um yeah that's that's my job that's my mission is just to to be real be down to earth and share it with people yeah and that is absolutely true I mean you know when um after we met you you know we became friends on Facebook and you know me and you we, we talk and you know if you, you you said hey man if you ever have any archery questions or about the products feel free to just hit me up and you know i've had questions and you've given me responses and it's you know you've been very easy to if i have a question about this and you know or i'm curious about something it just it's you know you're right there and just willing to help out and you know that that says a lot about um about you and you know we just i i thank you for all the times that you've let me just kind of ramble on yeah so no no <laughs> problem no problem social media has made it really easy to contact well, i get a lot of a lot of questions you know sometimes it's and i try to answer everybody i know i don't get to everybody quick i know on my athlete page on facebook it says i have like a five-day response time to people which is horrible but you know i just get so busy wrapped up in stuff and you know i get messages at 11 o'clock at night two o'clock in the morning you know midnight on sunday night and sometimes i don't reply to those and i forget you know but i try to i try to be courteous and, and answer everybody but sometimes you know i just i don't get asked at real convenient times and it slips my mind but i don't miss it on purpose but i love to help if i can right which is definitely the coolest thing ever i mean that's that's what you want especially you know so many people look up to you that that's just the best thing ever for those people but you know for everyone is familiar with you as far as if they're in the archery game and the hunting game but if, if someone has never heard of Darren Christianberry, like what could you kind of tell them about your background a little bit? That way they can kind of just 
catch come up to speed and realize what they've been missing in the archery world. <laughs> well, there's probably <laughs> a lot more because they've been under a rock too. But right, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just discovered well, a podcast. They're like, "What's this podcast thing?" Oh, Darren Christianberry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I said before, I'm just a, an old hillbilly redneck that that loved to shoot a bow, and you know, I've I've made a living with my hands my whole life. You know, I worked in factories for General Electric. I was an electrician for nine years before I took the job with the outdoor group. And, you know, I just, I've always been pretty open and down to earth and I guess have an outgoing personality. I like to socialize. I like to talk. Um, and archery was a great platform for me to talk. And I was, like I said, fortunate enough to have some success and win a few tournaments and titles along the way. And, you know, now I've got a chance uh, and, and the vehicle to, to, you know, give all that back and tell people my experience. And, you know, I've, I've struggled with things over the past few years. I've had the highest of highs. I've had the lowest of lows, but, um, you know, I'm a, a country boy with a wife and a son and I love to fish. I love to hunt. I love fast cars. Uh, I love to eat, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I love it all. I guess I love life. I guess that's pretty with pretty easy way to sum it up but, all american uh, man yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so, and i just i just bought a holster 20 minutes ago so i can exercise my second amendment and pack more pistols everywhere i go so <laughs> there uh, you, go. Awesome. you know but uh yeah that's that, that's just me in a nutshell i just uh I, I i love what i do uh archery is i'm passionate about it uh, it consumed my life. I fell in love with it at a very young age and had no idea where it was going to take me. Uh, then when I turned 21 years old, I stumbled into a local archery shop and said, wow, this is really something I want to pursue and grabbed up magazines. That's when the Internet just was becoming, you know, the Internet. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, we had to you had to you, I was starving for information, you know, so it, it took me longer to progress in my career where now, you know, people can Google whatever they want. And, you know, I could sit down on Monday and be a professional archer by Saturday, literally, <laughs> with the, you know, with the information you can get a hold of right now. So uh, it, it's really cool to see how things have developed. And, uh, you know, I'm flattered that there's still people out there that want to hear what I have to say, want to know what I'm thinking, want to talk about archery. And uh, I, I'm blessed to, to be where I'm at with my archery career. And uh, it's, it's a good, good platform for me to get back now. Yeah. And you know what I think, Darren, while you were talking, I was thinking – and if you want any help, we'll help you out. You should start. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, you should have your own podcast. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know about all that. You really should. You I think should, th yeah. I think you'd be awesome having your own podcast. That that would I don't know. I think you'd be a good fit for it. I'd I'd listen you, to it. You think I could get four or five listeners every week? Yeah, us. Well, yeah, yeah. Three. <laughs> we got three in here for sure. Yeah, you'd have three at least. <laughs> if people listen could, to our show, Darren, you could get a lot better yeah. crowd. <laughs> yeah, I, I could name drop. I do know a few people. I could name drop some guys. And maybe draw some. Maybe draw a crowd or something. Hey, there you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think that'd be something to think about. I mean, I mean, a, we, we, yeah, we name drop you all the time, so you know, maybe <laughs> no. it's got us this far. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You're talking a little bit about, like, the learning curve of archery. And, you know, there's a lot of people that either, you know, I guess people start out doing, like, tournament side of archery things. But if you bow hunt long enough, then you kind of get more interested into the archery things of bow hunting. And then you discover 3D archery. And then for those people that are getting into 3D archery or just need some tips, um, like judging target distance, that's a really difficult yeah. thing. And probably the main factor, wouldn't you say, in, in 3D archery 
Um, it is. Yeah, it is. It's 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 the hardest learned skill about that game, you know, and I, I, I see archery transitioning to the known distance side. And, you know, 10 years ago, you know, rangefinders were, you know, popular, but not everybody had one. And now everybody has three or four. Uh, so, right. and I don't, I don't know a single person that goes to the tree stand that doesn't have a rangefinder with them. You mm-hmm. know, it just takes, takes all that guesswork out. It puts the confidence in your system uh, it's just a tool that everyone uses, and I see target archery now, 3D, uh, in the ASA especially, you know, they're they're transforming 3D archery into known distance archery, and I'm not against it, but judging distance is a skill, you know, some people have it, some people don't, but I believe you can work at it, practice it, and for not you can't perfect it, but you can improve at it, and you can make it, uh, you know, a tool that, that you can use to be effective out there, you know. The, a great yardage judger uh, on, and a decent shot has a good chance of winning. The best shooter in the world that can't judge distance, he has no chance of winning. You know, right, so right. It, it's a tool that you have to use. And unfortunately, it, it's not fun practicing. That's what I told my wife. We had to go run some errands this evening. I said, "Man, I gotta get back home, so get back home so I can practice." And it's not because I want to shoot; it's because I want to look at targets. And I spend a lot of time looking at animals and you know, clicking that rangefinder, trying to. The best way I've described it over the years is I take a mental picture of what these targets look like at different distances, and then when I hit the stake, I'm flipping through all those photos trying to pick out which one matches that distance, you know, flip through that photo, boom, that's 41 yards, and that's how I've practiced all these years, and I hate to see archery go to known distance because I've spent 20 years practicing <laughs> to be a good yardage judger. Yeah, right, know? right. And, and, and I think I can be competitive regardless of, of how the game goes, but, you know, I feel like on a good day I can compete with anyone when it comes to guessing that distance, and it's something that I've, I've learned. I've got a system that works for me, and it's, it's not really a system, but it's just how I've practiced over the years, and I'm confident when I step up to that stake knowing I can get really close to that distance. And I hate to see all that time just be wasted by everything going to rangefinder classes, but that's the way it's leaning. Right. Yeah, and you know the way uh, you know I've, I've kind of struggled with how how much technology I want because I I love archery, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I've been wanting to get uh, a little bit more into the the target side of things because I just I just love shooting a bow, but you know I'm, I'm kind of at the point where it's you know how much technology is too much technology you know when you got lenses and things and yeah. I, I, I I I honestly feel that you're not doing yourself as much of a favor. By using all those gadgets, I mean, you know, because say, you know, you you get, you never, you know, you're doing 3D, you never know how to how to judge distance, and you're always using rangefinder. Well, what happens when you get up in the tree and you know your rangefinder for some reason fails? Yeah, dot battery yeah, dies or you know, your battery it. dies. Yeah, battery yeah, you, dies. You you pack up and go home. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I stay up I stay up there and try to you know finish my hunt you know judge the distance. It's different you know. I, I always get up in the tree early in the fall and and I start looking at trees or rocks and trying to guess them and realize oh my gosh that looks so much different you know sometimes I'm right sometimes I'm way off you know so mm-hmm. um, you know it's just something that's in my brain all the time when I'm mowing grass or whatever I'm doing I'm looking at stuff going oh, I wonder how far that is you know ah, it looks seventy one yard whatever it might be but. It's just something that I practice, and it's part of my routine. You know, every day I want to look at something and figure out how far it is or try to figure out how far it is. That's the challenge that attracted me to that, you know. 
I may not right. be the greatest shooter in the world, but if I judge really well and I shoot pretty good, I can win tournaments. I've proven that. You know, right, so right. you get you get a guy that's a phenomenal shooter and a phenomenal yardage judger, uh, Levi Morgan, and <laughs> boom, there you go. He can dominate. You know, so right. it's uh, it it's, it it happens. You know, he's 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 got it going on. There's a lot of guys, Danny McCarthy, Jeff Hopkins. I mean, the list goes on. There's guys that have done super super well judging distance and playing with bows and arrows. Right, and and I was wondering when you said that about you know rangefinders becoming more a part of the sport how the top pros, like, you know, how you and Levi and, like, Chance and all of them guys feel about that coming into the sport because there's, like, a nostalgia to, like, the top guys in archery because of the they're so good at judging distance and they're so good at archery, and it's just the two combined. The two combined skills into one creates yeah. championship 3D archers, which is – it's pretty amazing well i think eventually yeah. it's gonna become a lost art almost i mean they'll still you'll still have guys out there that can do it and do it really well yeah i, I think you know i think your guys's class will stick around i mean that i don't know if that's a proper term when i said class but you know what i mean i, I think that'll stay around it's part of uh yeah. always deer hunting especially you know bow hunting you're, you're always yeah. a- asking how far is that you know and right 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 well and and i mean example last uh, the asa tournament in metropolis illinois two weeks ago i think we had 38 open pros didn't even break 40 and the k50 class which is you know the pro uh i guess known distance class which they're going to separate next year for whatever reason but um i think they had 95 shooters in that class really you know? and this is this is guys that a lot of them have tried to compete at the professional level and you know the commitment and the time that it takes to be competitive at unknown distance 3d in the pro class i mean you've got to beat a handful of guys and it takes a lot of time commitment practice effort um to to compete and some of those guys have done it for two three four five six years and realized you know what i'm better off competing with rangefinder in my hand you know a lot of guys can shoot on the same level, but not everybody can judge on the same level. And that's, that's what I'm afraid of. It's so convenient to just right. not have to worry about practicing judging. I just go shoot my bow again today. You don't have to own 50 McKinsey targets, you know, now. I mean, it's, right. it's attractive to a lot of people. So I'm going to play the game no matter what. Um, I feel like I can be competitive no matter what. I just I feel that way. Um, but I hope the I hope the yardage judging never goes away. Like I said, I've spent twenty years trying to perfect it. I'll never perfect it, but man, I'd hate to see all that time get wasted by it all going away. Right. And that's I guess the beauty of it is, you know, if you know if you're the best archer in the world and you know that distance, it's kinda just kinda like how you shot, whether it yes. goes to where you want it. But with like the judging the distance, you know, you and Levi could be shooting and you have an off day or Levi has an off day and then you guys are shooting, you know, you're not shooting how you know you can shoot, but that's just part of it because you're just you know you might be dead on at whatever yardage you're shooting but you could be misjudging by a few yards and it's causing you to just hit a little low or something and, right right and that's kind of probably very frustrating for you when you're trying to make a living in the sport and all that but it's kind of the beautiful thing about competition right yeah yeah there's just so many variables and then that's a game that that's a game that you won't perfect um it's a game that keeps me hungry because I want to go out and I want to try to make sure that that, you know, doll sheep is 49 and a half yards. You know, I'm not going to judge to the half yard. Sometimes I try to, you know, but, you know, when you set your sights for 49 and a half and break a perfect shot and see that arrow land right where you were looking, there's no better feeling. 
you know, and then you draw back and shoot that arrow and see it hit it in the leg. There's no worse feeling, but then you realize, oh my gosh, that's part of the game, you know. When yeah, they tell you, yeah. the, when they tell you the distance and you know it's a bullseye, or you have to hit it every single time. Then it becomes a then it becomes such an accuracy game. Then it's frustrating when you don't hit your spot. At least judging the distance, I have a little bit of an excuse, and I can sleep good at night going, you know what? That's part of the game. You know, when they tell you the distance and you get beat, and you're like, oh my gosh, what avenue do I have to? You know, where can I look for an excuse now? And you, you just can't, you know. So right. not, that, not that it gives you a crutch, but, man, like I said, there's no better feeling when you get it right, and there's no worse feeling when you get it wrong. So that motivates me to practice at it. Well, it makes, it, it cool. makes all that hard work actually pay off. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. When you go out and you win on the, in the professional division at an IBO or an ASA, you've not just got lucky and shot good. You've shot your butt off. I mean, to yeah. win is yeah. tough. Uh, to compete's hard enough, but to win, get on the get on the top position on that podium, it's not an easy task. Man, yeah, it's so it's so complex, and it's just. I mean, everyone knows how it is, you know. Guessing, it's just it puts another perspective on people who, you know, when you look at the professionals, the top professionals, you know, the Darren Christian barriers of archery. You know, that's really impressive that you are where you are because it's just such a um, a difficult skill to learn. Um, yeah, it's a it's a full time job, pretty much. Right. So you can basically say I'm not going to say Darren that you're saying this, but the uh oh. No, sorry, that's me. I had to start my truck back. Sorry. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> the, the known distance class is basically the class with training wheels. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. And to be po- politically correct, I don't know what's the best way to describe it, but you know, it's a class that you know they created for people. Uh, I mean. It, Archery's going that way, you know. Like I said, there's so many people, and it's—I mean—they get almost 100 guys every term, and that's great. But um, you know, a lot of guys have, have tried to compete in the unknown class, and you know, to pay a $300 entry fee and a hotel and a plane ticket and a rental car and three meals a day, and spend 12 or $1,300 every weekend and go get your teeth kicked in—that's no fun. You know, <laughs> if, they, if they tell you the distance and all you have to do is shoot your bow that weekend. You feel like you can. Everybody feels like they can win. You know that's why they're getting so many people. There's not a single person in that class that doesn't feel like on any given weekend they can win. You know, and in right. in the unknown class, there's a handful of guys that are always going to have a chance to win, and a whole bunch of guys that hope they can win. You know, so, and I'm not saying that bad or disrespectful to anyone. That's just you know that's just the realism of it. You know, it's right. uh, it's two totally different games, and uh, the unknown. Obviously, that's how I cut my teeth. That's where my roots are, and that's what I love, and that's what I'll continue to do as long as they let me. Right, yeah, yeah definitely. It, you know, so, I mean, <clears throat> I, I think the uh, what word that I will use uh, is known yardage is basically you're hitting off the ladies' tee. No, you can't. I mean, you want to be, you want, you want to be tough stuff. I mean, you come back to the, was it the blue tee? I haven't the golfed in like tees, years. Yes. Yeah, the blue tee. <laughs> hey, that's you know what? That's the way it is. I mean, you get just a little bit of an advantage, and it's you know, I don't know. But, I, but hey, it is more it, people are doing getting into it, that which is way. great. But you know what we can hope for is those people doing that at the top of that league get bored with that and want the extra challenge yep. of guessing the exactly. distance, and then then it just all grows in general. Maybe that's what you can yeah. hope for. And from my seat, you know, from where I sit in the bleachers at, if guys want to shoot known distance, there's Reading, there's the NFAA Field Nationals, there's all kinds of international dot shoots where they tell you how far stuff is. Don't take a game that's been around for all these years 
that guys have spent their half their life trying to perfect and take it away because people don't want to practice judging yardage anymore. You know, if you want to shoot known distance, there's plenty of tournaments out there where you can shoot known distance, you know. So, but I get it too. You know, if it's what's best for the sport and if that's what's going to help archery grow, I'm on board. You know, it's it's not about me and and protecting what I feel like I can compete with. You know, I don't want to I don't want to sound selfish by any means, but uh, there's so many other venues out there, so many other tournaments that if guys like oh they ought to mark the distance, hey, there's plenty of places where you can go shoot with the rangefinder. They write the number on the state. You know, you don't have right. to change the game that I love. But like I said, I don't want to sound selfish about it. No, if yeah, the, I don't think you do at if all. That's but the, if that's the next step to make archery grow and get another 150,000 or million archers playing archery games, then you know what? I'm all about it. For sure, for sure. Did uh, So was Levi's tournament that he just had, I don't know, was it about a month ago now, two months ago, the OPA? Yeah, the, the OPA, yeah. Was that I, – actually, I guess I, it was on YouTube through Lancaster. I didn't watch it, Um, the whole thing. was. I couldn't remember. Is that known distance or was that unknown? It was. That, that was kind of the real deal tournament. Levi – you know, said, hey, I want to have a tournament. You know, I want to I want to do the things correctly that I gripe about when I go to tournaments. That's That was kind of his, what he wanted. I want to put on a tournament and have things that I think, things the way I think they should be, which he did a phenomenal job. I can't say enough about that tournament. And everybody that went, you know, just raved about it. It was, it was well run. The courses were phenomenal. Uh, it was a perfect blend of known distance slash 3D slash course management. Um, he invited he invited the top archers that he could think of. He compiled a list of, of the top archers all over the world and said, okay, you guys have till whatever date to sign up for my tournament. And if I don't fill the field, which was 200 guys, then I'm going to compile a secondary list. And if I don't fill the field from the secondary list, I'm going to open it up to whoever thinks they can come and compete and we're going to get 200 guys in the men's expert class. And he did. He filled the field. 200 guys at 500 bucks a piece, $100,000 guaranteed purse. And he paid every penny of it back. You wow, know? So, that's amazing. Yeah, first place was thirty grand, second place was twenty, and third place was $10,000. That's and it awesome. Was, yeah, it was really cool. And, it, you know, what a cool tournament because they did tell you the distance. You could use your rangefinder. They put an orange dot on the 12, and they put a pink dot where the 14 is. They painted the 12 and 14 different colors, and you had to pick your poison. You know, do I lay up and shoot at the 12, or do I put it all on the line and shoot at the 14? And some guys found out real quick that just because they're great archers doesn't mean they're good at managing a course. Uh, some phenomenal guys shot some pretty mediocre scores, and guys that, you know, I, I played it safe. I shot at two 14s the whole weekend. I hit both of them. I just felt like if I stayed in the 10 ring, clipped away at the 12s, I thought I could hit. I didn't have to go crazy. And I think I ended up finishing 11th out of 200 guys. Which is so, awesome. Yeah, that's... yeah, which I was happy with that, you know. And I thought, you know what, that's what makes me say whether they leave it unknown or whether they mark it, I feel like I can compete, you know. So right, right. I, I'm not opposed or, you know, all four. I'm not all in either way. I can play either game, I think. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just a great tournament. You know, he had a two-by-two-foot square that he shoveled out perfectly level. He filled them with gravel. That was the shooting stake. He just stand inside this box. You know, it, it just was It was a great tournament. You know, I hope he has more. Um, I don't want to see anybody else's tournaments go away, and this take the place of it, but this is something that's really fresh and new. 
Uh, it was kind of a perfect blend where we didn't have to judge. It was known distance, but, man, you really had to manage the course because it was an 80-yard match. You know, you set a, a small target out there at 75 yards, and it becomes a super tough target. Even right. though you know the distance, it's hard to hit. So, um, yeah, he did a really good job with it. I'm looking forward to see if he has any future future events that we're going to get. You yeah, it, you know, sometimes it takes one of those uh, top archers, and like you said, the things he griped about just to put together a, a good um, – it, it's, it's like a shooter's event, you know. Yeah, I, it was kind of like archery's masters, you know. Yeah. You, you, you know, he, he did – he had a reason for asking this top group of archers, you know, they've won or they're ranked, whatever, you know, hey, okay, we've got this secondary list now. I want to get 200 people no matter what. Who wants to come and shoot? You know, so it wasn't just like a first come, first serve, the first 200 guys came. You know, it was kind of like not really you didn't have to qualify, but there was some type of a credential for him to pick this group of guys, you know. And then they right. did the same thing in the senior division and the women's division. And, I mean, you had some of the – you had the best of the best there. And uh, it was really a, a good test and a, a, just a great experience. It was a good tournament. That would be a really fun tournament to watch, to actually yeah. be there oh, and yeah. see the whole thing go yes. down. Exactly, because it rained the second day and windy and fog. I mean, there were, we had to delay the second morning because of the fog. You couldn't even see, like, the third target. It was like a 73-yard moose <laughs> down a hill, and uh, you couldn't even see it because of the fog. So they delayed us a little bit. You know, we had some tricky conditions uh, with wind, rain, you know, vision. It uh, All the elements were there, plus the 80-yard max distance. It, it made for a challenging weekend. Well, the beautiful thing is about the weather is everyone has to shoot in it. Yeah. No no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. So it's like, you know, if that hurts all the, that's going to hurt all the scores probably. Yeah, but the, it separates the men from the boys. Yeah, well, hopefully that. <laughs> <laughs> but every, yeah, yeah. If it starts raining and it, it mentally depresses you, you're probably out of it. If it starts raining, you're like, oh, well, I just have to tough through it. You know, you're still going to survive at the end of the day. But if uh, if the weather will depress you and take you out of your game, it's unfortunate because archery, this year we've fought the weather at a lot of tournaments. ASAs, IBOs, it seems like it's rain every tournament. But uh, that's that's part of my toolbox now, taking all my rain gear and my, my bow umbrella and everything. I've, I've got a lot of extra equipment that's just normal to take with me now. Right. Oh, right. now I get the snakes. See, here's what's happening. See, Darren's catching all these snakes, and he's making it look like they're just following him. But he's releasing them, and he's setting them strategically so it'll throw people's game off <laughs> I, all right i get it now. i get it now a little booby trap. there's a couple of guys that i could do that too i know gillingham he's scared to death of snakes but uh no i'm i'm not that fond of them if i know they're there i don't mind messing with them a little bit but uh, i normally just let them keep to themselves that's too I, funny I, I, steve, steve loves snakes no I, I like i don't i don't play that game with snakes like anything that moves that doesn't have an arm or a leg on the ground uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't playing that. that just, that's <laughs> yeah, not. It's, it's kind of creepy. It is a little weird. See, you don't do worms either, then, huh? No, I hate worms, dude. Because I just like. I feel like they just like are just touching you, and I don't like. No, I don't like that. <laughs> I can't play with right. the worms right. either, man. Well, Darren, I want to talk about elite bows now for a little bit. Yeah. Here. Okay. Um, elite, you shoot for elite, and elite's got it going on right now with their their archery team and and three D and and everything. Um, yeah. Could you just go into detail about like what Elite's got going on right now, what's new, um, and what people should look for? Yeah, no, our, our flagship bows for this year was the Impulse Series, Impulse 31, Impulse 34. Um, you know, Elite, their mission statement for all these years has been the world's most shootable bow. Um, you know, and, and that's great. And we do, we have a great draw cycle, the, the let off, the solid back wall. People just rave about that, you know. 
Um, and that's kind of what put us on the map was the shootability. But also, guys were like, you know what? We want shootability, but we want speed. We want excel. We want you know we want something faster. Mm-hmm. So the engineers listened and, and elite listened. And, and for 2016, we came out with the impulse bows. Uh, the 31 is a 343 foot a second bow. Uh, the impulse 34 is a 340 foot second four, 40 foot per second bow. Um, they're both six inch brace height bows. But they don't shoot like six-inch brace height bow. Sorry, I'm a little tongue-tied, but uh, they uh, the Energy 35 is kind of a bow that put Elite on the map here a few years ago. But in my opinion, I think the Impulse 34 shoots better. I don't know if it's the the double cage in the riser, uh, if it's the way they've machined it, if it's the cam. I don't know what it is. But to be a 340-foot-a-second bow, six-inch brace height. I think that bow's super accurate, you know, for a guy that wants something to piddle with for 3D and to go in the tree stand with. Yeah. That's my bow of choice. I love my 34. I can't believe how good, good it shoots. Yeah, we've shot, um, all three of us in the studio have shot the, the 31 and the 34. Love them both. My dad ended up buying the 31 a few months ago um, from yep. from Tim Kitts and, uh, and Poppy. And yep. my dad loves that bow. He literally shoots i've never seen my dad shoot so much he shoots every day after work for like three hours a night he's in love with the thing yeah 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 it's and i i hear that story a lot that's kind of a you know a testimony too you know we've not that we you know not everybody's going to buy an elite not everybody's going to love it i get the brand loyalty you know i'm a dodge guy i'm going to drive dodge trucks and you won't get me into a chevy or ford no matter what i get that you know it's the same way with those you know there's guys that are going to be point guys matthews guys for life i understand that but for the guys that are, you know, don't know what they want to go into these shops and shoot these bows, I find a lot of them that are shooting more. You know, hey, it doesn't hurt my shoulder. You know, that 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 draw cycle, that that solid back wall, and that low holding weight or high let off. You know, it makes me want to shoot more. You know, they, I'm shooting better than I've ever shot, and I find people wanting to shoot a little bit more because they like their bow. Yeah, um, yeah. and and that's really cool to to hear that and get that good feedback. For sure. Well, you know, I I grew up a Hoyt guy. I talk about this on the podcast all the time. So did my dad. And, you know, I, sh- I have his, uh, Elite Synergy now. And like you uh-huh. said, I love the way that bow feels so much that I'm just so comfortable with it. And it's just it's awesome to just target shoot. I mean, you know, yeah. after a while of shooting, you'll get, to- uh, you know, wore out a little bit. But just the feel of, like, the solid back wall and it's quiet and smooth. It's just everything you want. And you just feel good about your setup and confident in it, and that's really all you can ask for out of a bow. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, there's a, I mean, you're splitting hairs with bows now. I mean, you get a synergy is rated at 325 foot, foot per second, you know, and our impulse is at 343. And I don't know what Hoyts and Matthews bows are, but the difference between 325 and 340 is really not a whole lot. And when a guy buys a bow based off of what he reads in black and white, oh my gosh, this is 350 foot a second. That's going to be the greatest shoot. I mean, if you can't hit what you're aiming at, what's it matter? You right. know. So yep. uh, I want my stuff to hit behind my pin, whether it's at 240 or 340. I, it's got to hit behind my pin. Uh, and I've, I've found that with the elite bows that you know I I really like them. You know, and and they hit behind my pin, and I I'm happy with it. And I find myself wanting to shoot more, like a lot of other people, because. It's, it's good equipment. It stays put. You know, I don't have to click my sight from day to day chasing it because stuff's moving around. Um, you know, and like I said, there's a lot of great bows out there, but I like what we've got going on. And it, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a good thing. We've got, we've got the ball going in the right direction, and uh, I hope we can ride it out for a while. 
You know, uh, Kurt claims to be this uh, this trend center, but uh, trend center. <laughs> but I think it was because we had you on the podcast. But he bought his synergy. Uh, and I then, traded my Hoyt for the synergy. Yeah, actually, <laughs> <laughs> traded a Hoyt Carbon Spider for a synergy. Eric decided he wanted to go ahead and get a synergy, and then uh, a bunch of our friends, everybody just started coming out of the woodwork and started getting elite bows. So. Kurt's got this little yeah. chip on his shoulder that he thinks so, but but I, I think it was I, I think they heard you talking about it. I'm the cool guy, Darren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna start. You're gonna need a commission off all those sales, then, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I I just bought my fiance a spirit like three days ago, so oh nice. So nice. she's she's nice. all excited about that. Well, we appreciate the business. Well, the spirit <laughs> probably be a good thing to go into a little bit of detail about for um you know it just gives the ladies an option to shoot a nice bow too. Yeah. Yeah, the spirit. I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of got branded by accident as a ladies' bow, right? You know, and and I think there's going to be some changes on that for 2017, uh, just to keep people from thinking that's a ladies' bow. And you know, maybe it's our fault from when we you know show it to our dealers. You know, this is a woman slash short draw man's bow. You know, and then they hear spirit. Oh, well, that's got to be a girl's bow because it comes with a optional pink and purple string too. But you know, this bow is just a miniature Energy 32. It's it's the same riser, just trimmed down. It's 32 inches after the axle. I think it goes from 24 to 28 inches. You can get it in 30, 40, 45, 50, and 60-pound peak weights. And this bow, you know, grained out, it'll shoot over 300 foot a second. It's not just a kid's bow or a woman's bow. It's actually a great performing bow. Yeah. Um, you know, we do it in all of our colors. You can get all the camos, the Kuyu, the black. We do it in the target colors. I mean, it's it's a it's a real deal. So, uh, but yeah, we have we have that option for the shorter draw, you know, youth, kids, whatever, and women. But uh, it's it's a bow for a lot of people that you know will hit those draw lengths, those poundages. For sure, and that's the first thing I noticed. We brought it home. I laid laid it right down, right next to the synergy. I'm like, it's pretty much the same yeah, exact not bow, much, just a little shorter. Right. Yep. Yeah, a little bit different cam. I mean, obviously, it's going to perform just a little bit less because it's not as an aggressive a cam as what the energy cam is, but it literally is the same riser, just machined down. You know, it weighs 3.9 pounds, and I think the 32 weighs 4.4 or something. So it's a half a pound of machining where they just took the metal away. But, uh, you know, it's the same limb, different deflection, just a little bit different cam. But, um, you know, it's not a kid's bow. It's, it's, a, it's a legitimate performer. For sure, it's, yeah. a, it's a universal bow, right? And you yeah. can shoot it, and the quality exactly. of an elite too. You know, that's, right. you know. I guess the first thing, yeah, you, know, you see some some bow brands have that lower end where they advertise women or youth bow, and it's just not the same as kind of like the flagship. You know right. what I mean? Right. It's, like, it's a little yep. less, it's a little chintzier when you grab this, the spirit and the synergy, and it's the same feel essentially. Right. You know, the same. Yep. They don't shoot the same exactly, but you still have that elite back wall. And the yep. the feel and the quality and and all that of an elite. Yeah, and the same finishes. You know, I mean, our our color fusion, our camouflage. You know, people think that stuff's dipped. It's it's actually a color fusion. It's a really durable finish. They they powder coat the aluminum riser with like three coats of white powder coat, and then they have socks that have the camo pattern like inked into the sock, and they they slide that riser up in a sock, and someone stands there and hand fit that sock around that riser then they vacuum seal it in a plastic bag and it tattoos the ink from the sock into the powder coat so that's a color fusion it's actually tattooed into that powder coat so that's why we have such a crisp clear finish that 
you know, it's not a dip. It's not blurry. It's, I mean, it's as far as I'm concerned, we have one of, if not the best finish in the, in the market, you know, as far as, as far as aesthetically looking bows go, I think our right. stuff is as good as anybody's. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was know. just going to say yep. that. I think the finishes on the elites is probably one of the best, if not the best yep. finishes on a bow that I've ever seen. Well, you know what I was yep. really worried about? And I'm not trying to like knock one brand over another. When I bought my, my Hoyt, the finish I thought wasn't very durable. And the first thing I thought, if I'm pulling this up a tree stand and you know how it swings around on your rope and sometimes you hit your tree stand pegs with your bow yep. and you're like, oh, yep. you, you cringe. Yep. I'm like, this thing is just going to leave a big scratch in it. With the yep. Elite, I did that all last year. I'd bink, bink. I'm like, oh. and you know, I don't, I don't mean to do it, but when it's windy and nasty out, I'm like, dang it. You just can't help it sometimes. Right. Sometimes it just yeah. happens. It's part of using your equipment. And it just it held up. My bow, yeah. you know, it's a little, it's got a little bit of dirt on it, but you wipe that dirt off, and the finish is still good. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's not bulletproof, you know. I mean, you can't drag it behind your truck down the road and expect it to still <laughs> <Right. to> look <laughs> right. brand new by any means. Right. It uh, it is a durable finish, and you know that's it is a color fuse. It is a time consuming uh, time consuming finish. It's not something that they just dip in water and boom, okay, it's done. I mean, they have a guy checking the seal when he vacuums that to make sure that there's no there's no powder coat showing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not a cheap way to finish a bow, but the finished product is one of the best looking products you can spend your money on. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think it's awesome. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Yeah, I'm a, uh... You know, making uh, I want to make this little transition. You know, just talking about uh, the different bows that you guys um, have. You know, the victory is what you know all the target guys are shooting, and the thing that I really, really like about you know what what elites doing is like you said with the spirit you could set it down and it feels like you're like you're hunting bow or like like that synergy so the victory is that way too so it's what i've really really liked about them is it just it feels like an elite you know it it feels like your elite hunting rig and i think that's actually going to be very good for getting um bow hunters into the target game a little bit yeah bridging the gap you know and and you're right, you know, the victory has been, you know, that was our, our bow of choice, but now this year at ATA in 2016, in January of this year, we launched the Victory 37, which is the exact same riser. We just put the 12-and-a-half-inch limb on instead of a 13-inch limb, you know, finagled the cams and mods just a little bit. It is a different base cam and mod, and voila, you've got the Victory 37, a 6-and-3-quarter-inch brace height, 330 foot a second you know, 37-inch axle-to-axle bow that people are just raving about right now. Um, you know, Levi's done super well with it, shot some of his best rounds ever with that bow, and it, uh, people people love it. And we're doing it in camo. Um, you know, you can screw your quiver on and take it to the tree stand with you. You know, it's kind of a it's a good-performing bow. It's got good geometry to it. You can shoot it indoors, shoot 3D, poke holes in deer, whatever you want. You know, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've had We've had really, really good luck with it this year. So, uh, and, and it's going to stick around another year, too. So I anticipate sales to, to stay where they're at or even go up some more. You know, Levi, I'm going uh, where I got the spirit from. I'm going back this week. Did and you call I'm, him Levi? What I, did I say Levi? Yeah, you did. Wow, that was weird, huh? Oh man, it's I so... thought. Sorry, Darren. Did I said Levi. Really? <laughs> sorry, da- how, that's okay. How how, da- how dare him compare you to a less of a well, shooter? He, he, yeah. Well, he said he said uh, Levi was shooting the thirty-seven, uh, so that's yeah. probably where that came from. Um, <laughs> but I'm going back to where I got the spirit, and I'm going to shoot the thirty-seven. Um, yep. I haven't shot the victory yet, and I'm a little scared to. I'll be honest with you, because 
that means I'm going to have to spend more money. Um, so yeah. I might kind of push it back a little bit. But what I was going to say, why would someone choose like the 37 over the little bit longer axle-to-axle victory? The string angle. Uh, guys, when you get that bow at 39, 40 inches and put a big old cam out there on the end, when that bow gets the full draw and that cam rolls over, you're actually shooting like a 45-inch axle-to-axle bow. And that straight-up, stand-up string angle, people just don't feel comfortable with it. You know, if you take a victory and then shoot a, an Impulse 31, the string angles are so drastically different and your peep pipes are so different on those strings that people have a tough time jumping from one extreme to the other you know and the 39 mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of a bow that's built for that 29 to 32 inch draw length guy a guy that's 28 inches shooting a 40 inch axle axle bow it just doesn't fit him that great so that 37 was kind of the happy medium you know it, it aims like the 39 but it feels like the 35 you know or, or right. aims like the 35 and shoots like the 39 you know it was just kind of the perfect blend so i've got a 37 but I haven't even set it up yet. I've had it for months, and everyone says, how, oh, my gosh, that bow's better than 39, and I just don't know how a bow for me. I'm a 30-plus-inch draw length kind of guy, so I don't know how the 37 could be better, but seeing what some of these guys are doing with it, maybe I've missed the boat the past couple of months and should have set mine up, but uh, I'll have some time to play in the off season and see if the 39 or 37 is what I should be shooting for 2017. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of guys, do you find, um, do shoot target with the, the Energy 35? Uh, some guys do, you know, some guys, they are, they try the victory and they go back to the 35. You know, I think the 35 is one of the best aiming bows we've ever had. Uh, but the 39 is one of the best shooting bows we've ever had. So that 37 was kind of the perfect blend of those two bows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what attracted everybody to it. It's not too bad of a string angle. It's 330 foot a second IBO. So it performs really good. Um, you know, it's one of those bows you can buy one time and you can play archery all year long, indoors to 3D to hunt. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a good way that's to look a, at that's it. A, that's attractive to people too. It's like the the Jixer 750 instead of the 600 or the 1000. There's guys that want performance to weight ratio, so they go 750. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> I, you know, I uh, I had a chance to shoot the uh, shoot the 37 because we were um, we had uh, our good friend now good friend Car- uh, Clark Cummings coming on from uh, respect, respect the, the game. game and okay. I was I was had my heart set on another bow and I was like, okay, well let me look back into elites, you know, just, um, you know, just to, just to freshen up for that. And I found myself just like, yeah, I kind of want to get, kind of want to get in the lead again. So, you know, I, um, I ended up shooting a couple different ones and I ended up shooting a victory. And the one thing I found that I, I, I'm not too much of a fan of right now, but maybe if I do it a little bit more is the, the V grip. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I fell in love with the elite, how elite grips are set up, like the standard grip. I just, I fell in love with that so much. And, you know, I tried to shoot that V grip a couple times and uh, maybe I just didn't give them enough time, but it, it just didn't feel, you know, the way that I was hoping it would have felt. I mean, is there. Right. <clears throat> what, you, yeah, I, I did. I picked up a victory uh, last week. I actually liked the way it felt, um, yeah. but I didn't shoot the bow, though. But what what's the advantage to the V grip? Like what what uh, why was that integrated into the riser? It, it's flatter on the back. You know the the standard grip on the on the regular elite risers kind of has a, a recess to it. It's a little bit rounded. The mm-hmm. V grip is is straight and flat. You know, kind of got a sharp corner, so it fits that lifeline in your hand. It's just a 
it's a target mentality. You know, I have to have that flat, very consistent. I can feel it right there. You know, it just it just fits where the other one was more of a, a comfort bow hunting maybe mentality. I don't know if that's the greatest way to describe it, but, Makes you know, the, the victory grip was just more of a, a, a baseline target guy kind of feel, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, that, that's why they do that. And if you don't like it, you go to Walmart and buy you some tennis wrap and you wrap it up, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I so, liked it. I'm excited to shoot it and see what it's like. Like I said, I'm a little nervous. Um, yeah. Because I'll want one, I bet. But uh, And it could have been, you know, maybe the bow wasn't set up to my exact draw length because uh, it's kind of hard yeah. to do that. Um, yep. So it, it wasn't something that I wasn't going to give a second chance to. It was just, uh, you know. You maybe get, it's something you might go shoot it again and absolutely love it. You know? Yeah, that yep. could be it. I just, I remember just kind of thinking, well, this is a little bit di- more different than what I'd, I'd yeah. fallen in love with, you know what I mean? And and sometimes difference better, you know, it's strange to you at first, and oh my gosh, that feels weird, but you know, sometimes that's just, the, and that grip is such a crucial part of everybody's setup and stuff too, you know, it, I love our grip, our V grip, I absolutely love it, um, I like it better than anything else we have, so I, I know like the 35 and the Impulse 34, you can get with the V grip on it, now you can order those with the target grip on it, so um you know, if that's what I was going to do, I'd probably order the V-grip on everything now. It just it feels like it fits, uh, mm-hmm. like a comfortable pair of jeans, you know, it just fits. But, um, you know, strange, like you said, oh, you didn't <laughs> like it at first, you know, set that thing up in your draw length and give it a whirl. You know, maybe maybe it's just strange enough to where you're more more conscious about your grip and you get it in there the same way your shooting may improve, you know. It's just one of those little bitty secret things that might, might make the difference. Yeah, it's yeah. a good way to look yeah. at that. There's a better chance of that happening than me finding a good pair of jeans that fit. I am short and tubby. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a good, maybe a good sundress or something. Then, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> something. Yeah, that's what Steve needs. A, good, a nice pair of sweatpants would have been. <laughs> I got some good going out sweatpants, so maybe we'll try those when I go try out the victory. <laughs> there you go. So, Darren, another cool thing that I like about Elite is the. Uh, that's new this year is the origin the recurve bow yes yeah yeah it's uh it's supposed to start shipping hopefully by the end of this month i know our initial date when we launched at ata we were looking at sometime in april and then they're like oh sometime in may and then it was sometime in june and i don't even know exactly what the holdup is whether it's you know i don't know if it's the machining or if it's the limbs or I don't know what it was, but I have a sample I think that's supposed to be here this week, and then I think we're supposed to start shipping orders by the end of this month. And I actually got a call from a dealer today wanting to know about the origin too. So um, I think we're working on some pricing and stuff to try to be a little more competitive with that bow, but it's a high-end recurve hunting bow. Unfortunately, I don't know much about recurves, but man, this thing's cool looking. And if I guess you know if that means anything, it does look cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, that does help a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if that makes him shoot good or not. Which <laughs> I could have the, the you know the coolest, greatest one ever. Don't know that I could hit anything with it, but uh, we we have a good offering in that market there, and I'm kind of excited to get my sample so I can start playing with it and showing it off to dealers too. So looking well, forward to it. You know what? They've got all the colors that you can get, like the Kuyu and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We And it's the same finish, the same color fuse finish on that, um, the dryad limbs and things. It's uh, it's it's the guys that know recurve seem to like it awful well. Uh, hopefully I can learn a little bit about them and maybe sell a few of them. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'd like to, you know, I shot one at ATA this yeah. uh, last year, and, 
I, I really liked it. I really did. I thought it was really cool. That how, was the number one thing. How was that back wall? <laughs> yeah, how was the, uh, the, the back wall was awesome on it. Not so much of a back wall, but um, but yeah, Eric was down at ATA the day before me. He's like, man, the elite recurves are awesome. Yeah, I, I made yeah. him go over and shoot one. I'm like, you got to shoot it. But, yeah, that was definitely awesome. Another thing real quick that I want to touch on is, you know, people are getting more into the archery uh, technical side of things, um, bow hunters are starting to, I notice a lot of my friends and a lot of people on Facebook and online, you see it, experimenting with different types of releases like back tensions, like a click or a thumb button or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, What would be probably your best tip you'd give someone that's wanting to kind of get into the back tension style releases? You you know, we, I I think when we saw you guys before when we did our first podcast, I had all my samples there and, you know, Scott, Scott releases, uh, which is a company that I work for, also shoot for. We do, you know, we have, you know, thumb triggers to the back tensions, to the wrist straps, to, you know, and we're developing new stuff even as we speak. But, you know, we developed a release a few years ago called the Longhorn Hex. Love and it's it. kind of a, it's, yeah, it's a hybrid release. It's got a wrist strap, but it's connected to a two-finger back tension that has the exact same moon, same head, same hook as all of our, you know, top-of-the-line target hinge releases. And, you know, it was designed with the, the ropes connecting to the wrist strap. It's right on the pivot point where once you hook up to your loop, you cannot misfire that release. And I think that's the biggest thing or misconception or fear of people when they try back tension is they've heard the horror stories. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to pop myself in the mouth or I'm going to shoot a light out or shoot the neighbor's house or whatever. They're going to misfire that release. <laughs> that, that hex has given them the ability to draw it without being afraid of it and learn how to get in there and work a hinge or a back tension release without being afraid of it. And then once you master that or get comfortable with it, then you figure out, okay, that's how the pivot point works. Now I'm going to use my index finger on like a Longhorn Pro Advantage or a Focus or an Anchor or a Halo, and then they all work the same. You know, you use your finger as the pivot point, and then you rotate with your middle finger, ring finger. as you, That's that's how you execute the release. So uh, the Longhorn hexes are entry level the guy that that's the release i would start everybody on or at least get them comfortable with and then you know the sky's the limit after that if you want to and you can shoot perfect scores with any release whether it's a 20 dollar wrist strap or a 300 dollar thumb trigger you can shoot perfect rounds with any of them you just have to learn and be disciplined enough to execute them repeatedly consistently time after time after time that's the secret you know the whether you buy a 30 dollar release or a three thousand dollar release that's not going to make you a better shooter but learning to get comfortable with what you have, making it a, a, a just repetition, being very comfortable and conscious of it, and learning how to do the same thing over and over and over. Or you could just have Darren Christianberry show you how to shoot at one time, and you'll you too will shoot a hundred and fifty inch deer, Kurt <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Darren, you did teach me how to shoot uh, back tension. You remember I was like, oh, I think I had the backspin. Uh, you're like, yeah. Yep. Just, kind of squeeze back and it'll yep. you'll feel it'll go off or it, one had a click and every time yep. the click would go off i would be like ah, and yeah. jump yeah. a little bit <laughs> yeah, your heart skips a beat yeah no it does it's uh i mean it, it's there's a learning curve with that along with everything else but it's uh you know proper instructions probably a great thing to have you know you don't want to just go to your dealer and pick one up and go home and try to learn how to shoot it on your own you might have a bloody nose by the end of the evening or something but if you've got someone there that knows what they're doing and kind of take you through step by step and and take that fear away from you uh man it's 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 great to learn how to execute once you get that form down and you can perfect it man there's nothing better than 
sticking your pin on that spot, making a perfect shot, and watch that arrow hit what you're looking at. That's the greatest feeling. Yeah, I ended up buying uh, Darren the Scott Hex, and um, I shot a really nice buck with it this year. Um, I had a doe right underneath me, like sh- shooting straight down with that release, and it. I really liked it because it made me slow down and kind of just think like, you know, I couldn't just punch my shot and yeah. and then I didn't have the issue. Oh man, I don't even know what happened. I don't even remember. Any, you know what I mean? You get your adrenaline yeah. rush and it, no, it made me, good. yeah, it made me slow down and follow through, just follow through with my shot. Just yeah. how I do when I practice. And yeah. I think that's the reason why I got my buck. Cause I was shook up. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that, that's why we do it. You know, you want that feeling, but you know, being able to, being able to take your time and execute and learn that you know it's just like breathing after a while you just you do it and you don't even know what's happening and and like you said you probably slow down and that's great because you can still rip through them i mean they're not punch proof by any means you can still shoot a release correctly or incorrectly every single one of them but they're designed to teach you what you're supposed to do and be patient and like you said you know if, you know what you've practiced and what you learned probably helps you when the in the heat of the moment Sure. Yeah, the the uh, thing real quick that uh, I like about uh, what Scott was doing, um, I like uh, I like the backspin a whole lot, and you know you can shoot that, you know shooting it, doing your target, you know, and all that, and then you can switch from that target to hunting to get the excess core, yeah. and uh, it, it's, it's it's such a, a simple transition because they're basically the same release, yeah. Um, and you know, so you don't have to you don't have to jumble anything, you know. So if you got a you know got an impulse thirty four, I mean, you know, you can go out and shoot, you know, shoot target three D if you want to shoot that backspin, and then you want to go hunting, you just want to feel a little bit more comfortable where it's not a you know a, a hinge. It, it, it's such an easy transition. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I liked it a whole lot. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. The backspin, you know, it's been around for a few years now. It's kind of run its course. I mean, we've sold way more of those than we ever anticipated but you know the the new the warm fuzzy feelings kind of wore off of it there's still a market for it out there especially international we went to europe in january to shoot the Nimes tournament in france and that was the release that had more tension than any release we had on the table people would walk by and, and pick up that backspin so you know there's there's places where it's still super popular and still in high demand but you know here in the states it's you know the the, the buzz has kind of wore off on that one a little bit. You know, we still have it. We still sell a few of them, but it's due for a, it's due for a facelift and something, you know, some kind of a new little bell and whistle with it. And maybe we'll have something new for 2017. Oh, maybe. Ooh, is that a little hint? That is yeah. fun. <laughs> we'll check them out. Yeah, I love the Hex. I hope it, that never goes away. That needs to be around yeah. forever. I'm in love with that, that release. That, yeah, that Hex is probably not still getting its justice, you know, just like we did there, you know, show people, hey, this is what this is meant to do. And, you know, every archery shop in the country should have one of those, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it would do I nothing agree. but, you know, it bridges that gap, you know, from people that are just solely wrist rocket guys to, okay, I want to kind of piddle with this stuff, but I've heard so many nightmares, you know, here, try this. You know, they buy that next thing you know, they're buying Exus, they're buying Exus 4s, they're buying Halos, they're, they're buying all the releases we have to offer, so... It's uh, it's it's a good little tool to teach people, you know, how to be comfortable and, and teach them how to shoot back tension. It's a well, gateway the, release, and the hex is really the only one on the market like that, with the with yeah. wrist strap and everything. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's uh, it's like I said, I, maybe we haven't marketed that thing good enough, but uh, you know, once you spread the word and, and tell people what that thing's meant to do, people just like yourselves, you know, oh man, that's really cool. Let's try, it, you know, and it, it works. Yeah, definitely yeah, does. And absolutely. Nine times out of ten, when I'm shooting at like a public range or around just someone I've never shot around, I'm like, what kind of release is that? 
I'm like, yeah. oh, check it out. It's kind of, it's a, yeah. you, know, yep. you know, and people so, get interested in it. You too. know, I, right. I bet if Billy Mays was still alive and you guys had Billy Mays doing that release, that thing would sell like hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. R.I.P. Billy Mays, we miss you. <laughs> well, Darren, thanks a lot for coming back on again and talking with us. And uh, Yeah, man. Anytime. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. I know Steve and I, we've talked about this for two or three weeks, trying to hit our schedules where they really work. And I, you know, when you messaged me earlier, I told my wife, I was like, oh gosh, I forgot. All I, I'm just so busy all the time. And, you know, I, I need a calendar and write stuff down. I wouldn't forget near as many things. But uh, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me and, you know, giving giving me some exposure, letting me talk about what I do and give our brand some exposure. It's, uh, it's, good, for, it's good for me. It's good for Archer. I appreciate you guys. Well, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, you absolutely remain my favorite person in archery. So, well, good... I, I I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Well, good luck to your uh, future distance judging and tournaments, and keep that alive. <laughs> and you. I hope yeah. you dominate, man. That'd be awesome. I'm I'm going to exercise it this weekend. I'm heading to Clarendon, Pennsylvania, for the third leg of the IBO Triple Crown. So. We're going to do some judging in strange territory this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, let us know how you do, and uh, we'll be sure to wish you good luck. And we'll post this up just before that, and everyone will get to hear. There you go. um, Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. So, yeah, stick around real quick, Darren. But thanks, guys, for listening. Um, Check out workingclassbowhunter.com. There you go. Um, Anything else you guys want to add? Nope. Just Um, thanks to Darren again. Yeah, Yeah. go check out uh, Elite Archery Um, if you're – local bow shop doesn't carry any uh, elites you can go to their website and go find out where the nearest place that will carry them go in there go shoot one give them your money easy as that that's right (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening you know what to do go shoot your bow you'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.